Chapter Five of Jewish Children by Shalom Alechem. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Jewish Children, Yiddish Kinder by Shalom Alechem, translated by Hannah Berman and read by Adrian Pretzelis. Chapter Five, A Lost Lag Baomer. Our teacher, Reb Nissel, the small one, so called on account of his size, allowed himself to be led by the nose by his assistants. Whatever they wanted, they got. When the first assistant said children were to be sent home early that day, he sent them home early. The second assistant said the boys would turn the world upside down and ought to be kept at school, and he kept them at school. He could never decide anything for himself. That was why his assistants controlled the school, and not he. At other schools the assistants teach the children to wash their hands and say the blessing. At our school the assistants would not do this for us, nor fetch us our meals, nor take us to school on their shoulders. No, they liked to go for our meals. They ate them themselves on the road. We did not dare to tell the master of this. The assistants kept us in fear and trembling. If a boy whispered a word of their doings to the teacher, he would be flogged, his skin would be cut. Once a daring boy told the master something, and the assistant beat him so terribly that he was laid up in a bed for months. He warned the boys never to tell the master anything, no matter what the assistants did. This period of our school days might be called the tyranny of the assistants. And it came to pass that we were under the yoke of the assistants. One year we had a cold lagbaomer. It was a cold, wet May, such as we sometimes had in our town, Mazapevka. The sun barely showed itself. A sharp wind blew, brought us clouds, tore open our coats, and threw us off our feet. It was not pleasant out of doors. Just then the assistants took it into their heads to take us for a walk outside the town, so that we might play at wars with swords and pop-guns and bows and arrows. It is an old custom amongst Jewish children to become warlike on the Blagba Omer. They arm themselves from head to foot with wooden swords, pop-guns, and bows and arrows. They take food with them, and go off to wage war. The Jewish children, who are the whole year round, closed up in small chederim, oppressed by fears of the master, and trembling under the whips of the assistants, when Lagba Omer comes round, and they may go out into the open, armed from head to foot, Imagine that they are giants who can overcome the strongest foe and reduce the world to ruins. All at once they grow brave. They step forward eagerly, singing songs that are a curious mixture of Yiddish and Russian. One, two, three, four. Jewish children, learn the Torah. Believe in miracles. Are not afraid. Hear, O Israel. Nothing matters. We are not afraid of anyone excepting God. And we carried out the old custom. We took down our swords of last year from the attic, and we made bows from the hoops of old wine-barrels. Pop-guns the assistants provided us with, for money, of course. 
fine guns, with which one could shoot flies if they only stood still long enough. In a word, we had all the Jewish weapons to frighten tiny infants to death, and we provided ourselves with food in good earnest, each boy as much as the Lord had blessed him with, and his mother would give him out of her generosity. We arrived at Cheda armed from head to foot, and our pockets bulging out with good things. Rolls, cakes, boiled eggs, goose-fat, cherry wine, fruit, fowls, livers, tea and sugar, and preserves and jam, and also many groschens in money. Each boy tried to show off by bringing the best and the largest quantity, and we wished to please the assistants. They praised us, and said we were very good boys. They took our food, and put it in their bags. They placed us in rows like soldiers, and commanded us. "'Jewish children, take hands, and march across the bridge, straight for the Mezritzer fields. There you will meet the sea-cats, and do battle with them. "'Hurrah for the sea-cats!' we shouted in one voice. We took hands, and went forward, like giants, strong and courageous. We called the free school boys sea-cats, because they were short little children in the ABC class. They appeared to us Humash boys like flies, ants. We imagined that with one blow, phew, we would make an end of them. We were certain that when they saw us, how we were armed from head to foot with swords and bows and arrows and pop-guns, they would surely fly away. It was no trifle to encounter such giants. You play with Humash boys, warriors with long legs. We had never fought the sea-cats before, but we had every reason to believe, we were convinced, we would conquer these squirrels with a glance, destroy them, and make an end of them. Along with giving them a good licking, we would take spoil from them, that is to say, their food, and let them go hungry. We were so full of our own courage, and so enthusiastic about the brave deeds we were going to do, that we pushed each other forward clapped each other on the shoulder. Then, too, the assistants urged us forward. "'Why do you crawl like insects?' they asked us. They themselves stopped frequently, opened the bag, tasted our food and cherry wine, which they praised highly. "'Excellent cherry wine,' they said, passing round the bottles, and letting the liquid gurgle down their throats. "'Splendid liquor! The best I ever tasted!' That is what the assistants said. They actually licked their fingers. They remained in the distance, but indicated with their hands that we must go forward, forward. We went on and on, over the wide Mezritzer fields, though the wind blew stronger and stronger. The sky grew black with clouds, and a cold, thick rain beat into our faces. Our hands were blue with the cold. Our boots squelched in the mud. We had long given up singing songs. We were tired and hungry, very hungry. We decided to sit down and rest, and have something to eat. "'Where are the assistants? Where is the food? Where is it?' The boys began to murmur against the assistants. "'It is a dirty trick to take all our food from us, and our cherry wine, and our few groschens, and to leave us here in the desert, cold and hungry. May the devil take them!' May a bad end come to the assistants. May the cholera strike down all the assistants in the world. 
May they be the sacrifices for our tiniest nails. Hush! Let there be silence. Here come our foes, our enemies. Little squirrels with big sticks. The sea-cats, the sea-cats! Hurrah for the sea-cats! The moment we saw them we rushed towards them like fierce starving wolves. We were ready to tear them to pieces. But there happened to us a misfortune, a great misfortune which no one could possibly have foreseen. If it is not destined, neither wisdom nor strength nor smartness are of any avail. Listen to what can happen. The sea-cats, though they were small, short little squirrels, were evidently no fools. Before going to do battle on the broad Maritza field, they had prepared themselves well at home, gone through their drill. Afterwards they fed up. They also took with them warm clothing and rubber galoshes. They were armed from head to foot no worse than we were, with swords and pop-guns and bows and arrows. They would not wait until we had taken the offensive. They attacked us first, and began to break our bones. And how do you think? from all sides at once, and so suddenly that we had no time to look about us. Before we realized it, they were upon us. They were not alone, but had their assistance to urge them on and encourage them. "'Pay out the Humash boys! Beat them, the boys with the long legs!' Naturally we were not silent either. We stood up against the squirrels like giants, beat them with our swords, aimed our arrows at them, and shot at them with our pop-guns. But alas, our swords were dull as wood, and before we could set our bows they had thrashed us. I say nothing of the guns. What can you do with a pop-gun if the foe will not wait until you have taken aim at him? They rushed forward and knocked the guns out of our hands. What could we do? We had to throw away our weapons, our swords and pop-guns and bows and arrows, and fight as the Lord has ordained. That is to say, we fought with our fists. But we were hungry and tired and cold, and fought without a plan, because our assistants had remained behind. They let us fight, whilst they ate our food, and drank our cherry wine. The devil take them! And they, the little squirrels, well fed and well clad, had crept upon us from three sides at once, each moment growing stronger and stronger. They rained down on us blows and thumps and digs the same blows that we had reckoned on giving them, they gave us, and their assistants went in front of them, and never ceased from urging them on. "'Pay back the Humash boys! Beat them, beat them, the boys with the long legs!' Who was the first to turn his back on the enemy? It would be hard to say. I only know we ran quickly, helter-skelter back home, back to Mazpevka. And they, the little squirrels, may they burn, ran after us, shouting and yelling, and laughing at us, right on top of us. Hurrah, Humash boys! Hurrah, big boys! We arrived home exhausted, ragged, bruised, beaten, and we giants imagined that our parents would pity us, give us cakes because of the blows we got, but it turned out we were mistaken. No one thought of us. We thanked God that we were so fortunate as to escape without beatings from our parents, for our torn clothes and twisted boots. But next morning we got a good whipping from our teacher, Nissel the small one, for the bruises we had on our foreheads, 
and the blue marks around her eyes. It is shameful to tell it. We were each whipped in the true style. This was a mere addition, as if we had not had enough. We were not sorry for anything but that the assistants gave us another share. When a father or a mother beats one, it is out of kindness. When a teacher beats one, it is because he is a teacher. And what is his rod for, anyway? But the assistants, our curses upon them, as if it were not enough that they had eaten all our food and drunk our cherry wine, may they suffer for it, Father of the Universe, as if it were not enough that they had left us to fight alone in the middle of the field, but when they were whipping us, they held our feet, so that we might not kick either. And that was how our holiday ended up. It was a dark, dreary, lost Lagba Omer. End of chapter five.